everyone. Welcome to Christ Community Church Online. We are so glad you tune in today. I'm Sarah. And I'm Andrea, and we're your service hosts for today. Do we have any kids in the room? VBS Reimagined starts next weekend. Can you believe it? Our kickoff night is next Sunday, July 19th from 6 to 8 p.m. in the CCC parking lot. The rest of the week will be jam-packed with fun activities via online videos that you will be able to have right in your own home. And don't worry, there's still time to register. All you have to do is go to our kids page on our website to sign up. It'll be such an incredible time and we can't wait for you to join us. Now Christ Community Church Online is just about to start. So wherever you are and however you're watching this, we invite you to gauge in all that God has for you right here and right now. So stand to your feet, put your hands together, and let's worship Jesus. Hey, Online Church, we're so glad that you're worshiping together with us. Something that's been on my mind this past week and kind of in my heart is the fact that uh, sometimes when God's people get together and pray, it's about an event that happens. And it seems very fast, and then we gather together, and we're one voice and, and united in prayer. And after this event passes, um, we leave refined and changed, but it's very quick. And then sometimes those things are more of a season. And right now, we are definitely in a season. And we didn't know that it was going to be a season going into it. I think I thought it was going to be more of an event where it was just going to happen. We're going to figure it out, be done. And sometimes when we're in those seasons, we forget to be one voice and to be united and to pray constantly, just like we would pray right when it started happening, when we thought it was going to be short-lived. So in this next season and as we worship, ask God to refine you in a permanent state and in a constant state, no matter how long this season lasts, and be open to his leading and to his prompting. Find me here. 
Father, we rejoice in the fact that you are our hope. And no matter where we're at right now, we're frustrated, we're upset. We don't get it. We don't understand. God, we don't have to because we know that this is in your hands. Whatever happens in this place, God, you are in charge and you are in control. And we acknowledge that and we thank you for it. We don't want to be in control. So we just offer that to you, even though you had it in the first place. We thank you for being our hope and the one we can trust. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Welcome back, Online Church. If you're just now tuning in, I'm Sarah. And I'm Andrea. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today. First, we just want to thank you for continuing to be faithful with your online giving during this season. Now we invite you to take a moment to watch this video as an example of where your giving is going and how it's making a difference in people's lives around the world. Take a look. Hey Christ community, my name is Maria and I'm currently serving with an organization called Crew in Indianapolis, Indiana and I get to work with their music ministry. So what this looks like is we go into places like correctional facilities, homeless shelters, and recovery programs and we put on concerts for them. We use secular music because that's what a lot of non-Christians can relate to more easily. One of our band members will share their testimony and then we give people a chance to respond to the gospel. This past December, I got to go on tour with my team as a keyboardist and vocalist, and we got to see over 900 people commit their lives to Christ for the first time or rededicate their lives to Him. So it's, it's pretty cool what God is doing over here. Our team also gets to lead worship here in the U.S. and around the globe, and then we also uh, get to put on trainings for college worship leaders. I grew up going to Christ Community, and so they've, they've always been a big impact on my faith, especially as a child going into high school, um, and they're impacting me now as I'm out of college and I'm working with crew. Uh, they support me, and it's, it's a huge blessing to be supported by a church that really values missions and really values sending people out into the world, so thank you so much. As always, we just want to give a huge thanks for your generosity because you're helping people like Maria live out our mission of restoring our broken world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you haven't already taken the opportunity and would like to join along in worship through giving, there is a give link on your screen or in our Facebook post. Thanks again so much for your generosity. If you're new here, thank you so much for tuning into our online church experience. We're so glad to have you. Whether you've been with us for years or this is your first time watching us online, we want to give you a warm welcome to our church. If you're interested in getting connected to CCC, we invite you to fill out our online connection card. You can find this by clicking the connect link on your screen or in the Facebook post. Or you can even click our live prayer button and one of our service hosts can get you connected that way too. We're so excited to connect with you. 
at Christ Community Church, we believe in the power of prayer. If you have anything specific that you want to bring before the Lord or any praises you want to lift up, we would love to stand with you and come alongside you in prayer today. You can request live prayer on our streaming service, and one of our service hosts will pray with you right then and there. Otherwise, you can submit a prayer request too. The prayer page on our website allows you to request one-on-one -on -one prayer where you can sign up to receive a call from one of our prayer partners. We want to continue to partner with you in prayer in any way that we can because the power of prayer is so vital during these uncertain times. Thanks again for tuning into Christ Community Church Online. Now here's the message from Daryl. You can now glimpse the future with nothing more than a modem, a phone line. I have a dream today. For them, treating coronavirus has an extra layer of stress. As a soldier, though a soldier of peace. Oh, yes! Chaos to try to help just after those harrowing explosions rocked the finish line of the Boston Marathon. When a man walked to the middle of the avenue of eternal peace. Freedom for all. Mankind. A fireman carried an American flag to the mast and raised it. Hey, Christ community, it is good to be with you today. I'm so glad that you are part of our online worship service. I'm really thankful this weekend for the team of people, volunteers and staff members that it takes to pull off both online and our in-person worship services. You see some of them on the camera and there are a lot more of them behind the scenes. And I just wanted to speak for all of us as a church and a community and say thank you to those of you who are serving us. We all benefit from your service, so we really appreciate it. We're in week two of our Defining Moments series, and I'm really excited about this series for us. What we're doing is we are looking at moments in the Bible, lives of people in the Bible, where they came to a moment of truth. And we're learning in these moments of truth, we're learning about the people who are in the Bible, we're learning about ourselves, we're learning about God, about what can happen for us when we meet that moment of truth. And today, we're going to be considering one of my favorite moments of truth in all the Bible. Um, it's in 2 Kings chapter 5, so if you have a Bible, if you'd turn with me there. And it's a guy named Naaman. And here's what we're going to learn today. This is just a summary statement for you. What we're going to talk about, you grab onto this, then you'll have the whole point of what we're talking about today. Um, this is a verse from a couple different places in the Bible. It's our summary statement. It's this. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that statement there is a direct quote from 1 Peter chapter 5 and James chapter 4. But at least six times in the Bible, God makes this statement or something very similar, and it's, it's like he's trying to tell us something. And so today, um, we're going to consider a defining moment for this guy named Naaman, where he chose humility and he experienced God's grace. So if you have your Bible, if you'll turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5, I want to start reading for us in verse 1 what we're going to do is um, I'm just going to kind of read through about 17 verses of this account, and I'm going to make some comments along the way. And then I'll have some uh, principles and some application statements, and then our world-famous questions for reflection and for discussion. So 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, 
Now, Naaman, who is the main character of our story, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. So a little history for you in all of this. Aram is the people group, the country that was just to the north of ancient Israel. And they always had, like, like their relationship was way more conflict than it was peace. But there were, in the history of their relationship, there were some moments of tense peace. Aram was more powerful than Israel, and God used the nation of Aram to discipline his people Israel for their unfaithfulness to the Lord. And so these events that we're considering today were actually during one of those times of tense peace, where peace was existent mainly because Israel was laying low. So Naaman is the commander of the army of the king of Aram, and he's a big, important guy, but he has a really big problem. His problem is leprosy. Leprosy is a skin disease. It is uh, disfiguring. It is very uncomfortable, painful. Uh, it's highly contagious. And while he was big and important and successful, um, if this leprosy thing didn't get fixed for him, he was going to find himself cast out. Even today, uh, there are leper colonies in different places around the world where these people who are suffering uh, for something that's contagious are put away uh, to be quarantined and isolated, but also out of sight, out of mind. And so here Naaman is, is this important guy with this big problem. Verse 2 says, Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. So this is during time of conflict. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. And so Naaman's problem is so big that he's willing to listen to this little nine, ten-year-old slave girl who serves his wife looking for some sort of answer or some sort of solution to his issue. And so he goes and he asks his boss, his, the king of his nation, um, for permission to go to the nation of Israel and seek help there. So verse 5, the king replies, By all means, go. King of Aram replied, I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. And so Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. So I did a little conversion there. If you're curious, it's about 750 pounds of silver and about 150 pounds of gold. And all those changes of clothing would have been really important in Naaman's day as well. And what all of this says is that Naaman was a really important guy, and he and his boss had really high expectations of the nation of Israel when Naaman showed up to get help for his leprosy. So the letter, verse 6, that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter... I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Okay, question for you. Who did the servant girl say that Naaman needed to see? She said he needed to see the prophet who was in Samaria. Did you notice who Naaman actually went to in Israel? He went to the king. And the reason he did this is because this is what big, important people do. Big, important people engage in things like he just went straight to 
the king, he's struggling with humility here. Uh, there was a point where he was willing to listen to a little nine, ten-year-old servant girl who was trying to help him. He was desperate enough. But he is engaging now in, like, he just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that he was a VIP and he needed to be treated like a VIP. So verse 7, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and he said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. And just in his words, you can hear the fear that he's experiencing. He tore his robes. That's a sign of fear. That's a sign of helplessness. And he's afraid because there's this tense peace that exists between Israel and Aram. And he's wondering if the king of Aram is actually trying to pick a fight with Israel, sending somebody important with an impossible task. And when the king of Israel fails in all this, here comes Aram. Peace is over. They're back at war. And since Aram is stronger than Israel, Israel's in deep trouble here. And the king, like this just shows us his, like where he's, where he's at spiritually. He's gone from zero to 10 with worry and fear and anxiety. There's no stopping to pray. There's no considering what God might be doing. There's like, there's just no spiritual consideration here at all. And then word gets out about what's happened. Verse 8, when Elisha, who we've not yet met in this story, but he's the prophet, he's the man of God. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Um, Elisha is like he is the man of God. He is the prophet in Israel, and it is important to him that this person from Aram, this person who is not a worshiper of God, realizes that there is a God in Israel who can heal and can can restore, who rescues, who saves, and he demands that he be sent to him. And so, verse nine. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. So this, this part here is actually kind of funny to me. It's my favorite part of this whole story. So here you got Naaman, who's a big dog in the land that he comes from, and he comes big dogging it into this smaller you know, mess of a nation, Israel. And he stands before the king, and the king says, I can't help you at all. And then he gets this summons to come to a prophet's house, which was probably a humble abode. And so here Naaman is this big, very important person with all this money and all these people around him. And he shows up at Elisha's house and Elisha doesn't even bother to come to the door. Elisha instead sends a servant to meet him and tells him what to do. He says to him, hey, just have him go wash in the Jordan seven times. And so Naaman, this big, important guy, now, all he gets is instruction from a prophet's servant to go wash in the Jordan River. Verse 11, But Naaman went away angry, and he said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. And so his expectations weren't met at all. And then he asked this question, Are not... Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, which is kind of close to where he lived, better than all the waters of Israel. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. 
he's stooped at this point. He's stooped about as willing, as low as he's willing to stoop. He's he's exercised some humility in listening to the servant girl, and then he came down and he stood before the king. And Elisha the prophet wasn't called to the king's palace. Instead, he was sent to go to Elisha. And then Elisha didn't even meet him at the door. He just sent a servant to talk to him. And and then in telling him to go wash in the Jordan River, like he just this was he'd run out of he's struggling at this point. He just didn't have any more humility in him. I want to show you a picture of the Jordan River. So you, this is a modern-day picture, of course, but it's taken pretty close to the spot where history and tradition tells us um, that Naaman washed. And if you look at that picture, you can like I can completely understand his resistance to Elisha and why he didn't want to go wash in this dirty little river. And so as he's storming off in verse 13, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father... If the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? And I want us to notice that it's it's Naaman's servants who are the ones that are helping him continue moving in the right direction. Because you remember, God stands opposed to people who are proud And he gives grace to people who are humble. And what Naaman really needs in this moment is grace from God. And it's his servants who help him move in that direction. It's not the people of power. It was the servant girl at his home who told him you should go see the prophet. And it wasn't the king of Israel who could help him. It wasn't even the prophet himself. It was the servant of the prophet. And then now he's struggling that he's not interested in doing what the prophet's servant instructed him to do. It's his servants, <coughs> excuse me, who are telling him what he needs to do in order to experience, he doesn't know yet, but in order to experience this grace that comes from God. And that's an important thing for us to notice because you would think, you'd think that it would be the big, the important, the smart, the wise, the rich people who would be able to help him move into what it is that he's looking for. But it's not. And the reason that they're not able to help him is because the important people start from a place of pride. They start from a place of self-confidence. They start from a place of self-competence. They start from a place of thinking they've got it figured out. Like The important people in this story start with like themselves and me and figure like we're going to handle it on our own. And servants live in a posture of humility. It's the servants who are submitted. They're submitted to their masters. They're submitted to somebody else. And and that's why they can help him pursue humility where he will eventually experience the grace that comes from God. This moment, this moment where his servants are looking at him and saying to him, hey, if that prophet had given you something really big to do, you'd have done it. Why don't you do this little thing? This is his moment of truth. This is the moment for him that if he chooses pride and continues on his way, he's going to go back to Aram with leprosy and find himself eventually set aside in quarantine and dying a horrible disease. Or he could choose humility. He could choose to listen to his servants. He could choose to walk the path that the man of God has laid out for him. And in verse 14, he makes his choice. So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. 
and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. And this is just a huge God moment. This shows us so much about God. God didn't just heal him of his leprosy. God actually restored him. The scripture tells us that while Naaman was seeking to be healed of leprosy, what God was willing to do for him was not only heal him, but actually restore his skin so that it was like when he was young. And and there was not only a change in him on the outside, there was also a change in him on the inside. Verse 15 says, Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. And he stood before him and he said, Now I know that there's no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. And he's not large and in charge anymore. He's not rolling with this great big entourage. Instead, he's humbled himself and he washed in the Jordan. And he experienced God's mercy and God's grace and God's power in his life. And he submitted himself to God And in that, he's now referring to himself as Elisha's servant. That's just a massive change of heart. And so the prophet answered him, verse 16, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, the prophet refused. In verse 17, Naaman says this, If you will not accept this gift, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. What he wanted was enough dirt from the land of Israel to take back to Aram to be able to make a small place for him to be able to worship the Lord. And it's amazing what happens in his life when he experiences God's grace and he responds to it in the right way. And so what I would like to do is just point out three principles from this story that will help us Um, in our desire to experience God's grace in our life to help us move towards humility. And then after that, I want to give you four real practical action steps um, that you could take to help you be a person who is growing in humility. So the first principle is our help comes from the Lord. Our help comes from the Lord. Um, The Bible never says, like the Bible never says that God helps those who help themselves. It doesn't say that. The Bible says that God helps people who look to him for help. And I get this backwards uh, quite a bit. It's really easy for me, and I think a lot of us are the same. It's really easy for me to look first to myself, look first to uh, my competencies, the things that I think I know, or to look to an outside expert, somebody to help guide me in circumstances. And, and our help comes from the Lord. And a lot of difficulty can be avoided in our lives when we embrace this truth that our help comes from the Lord and turn to Him first. So that's the first principle, help comes from the Lord. Second principle, um, God does not get involved on our terms. Naaman expected the man of God to come out and pray and wave his hand over the spot. And like, he, just, he had this expectation and then he'd dump all this money into the treasury of the king of Israel and it would be this transactional kind of thing. And that is not God, like God was not interested in getting involved on Naaman's terms. Instead, God got involved on his own terms. God does not get involved in our terms, circumstances of our lives, the way we want him to work. He seldom gets involved on our time frame. I mean, he has his own, he has his own time frame, he has his own plan, he has his own way of doing things. And frankly, Those of us who watch and who look to him, stand around and scratch our head and don't understand, 
God's way or his time frame. But what we do say in faith is like what God has for me and the way he's going to work this out and when he's going to work this out, it's going to be best. And I just I love how that's shown in our story today. God didn't intervene in Naaman's life in the way that befitted a wealthy and powerful leader. What God did was intervened in Naaman's life in a way that confronted the nation of Israel for their unbelief in the Lord, in a way that introduced another nation to the one true God, and it continued an example that 800 and something years later when Jesus was on the earth, Jesus referenced Naaman as an example of people who will turn to the Lord and receive his help, will find help from him. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to be disappointed or to be angry when God doesn't show up the way he want him, we want him to show up or in the time frame in which we want him to be there. It's up to us to, to recognize that he's not going to get involved on our terms. And we are asking him for grace and for help. And when we approach him for that, like he will meet us in his way, in his time, in a way that works out best for our good and for his glory. So the quickest way to get God involved in your life is to extend an unconditional invitation for him to be God over you. God over your circumstances, to teach you his way, to teach you his truth so that you can walk in it. And when you invite the Lord to be God in your life, there's, he comes with grace and he'll bring favor and blessing to you. And then here's the third principle. Small obedience makes a big difference. It really does. Small obedience makes a big difference. Naaman does what God through Elisha said. It was a really small thing at that point for him to go wash in the Jordan River seven times. It meaningless, really, except for God told him to do it. And so he went and did it. And there was this huge ripple effect. Again, Naaman received not only healing of his leprosy, but also restoration of his skin. Um, his nation came to know that the Lord is God. Israel was confronted in their sin. Jesus used him as an example. And all he did was he did something that looked unimportant in the moment. But God took that small thing and turned it into something really big. And I would just say to you if, you, if you're feeling like God has something for you and you're looking at it and saying that feels really small and I'm not sure it's important enough even to engage in, I mean, you shouldn't worry about that. I mean, humility says, I'm going to receive what God wants to give me. I'm going to go where God wants to send me and, and let him take something that looks and feels like maybe it's little and create a pretty big ripple effect um, for you in that. And so those are our three principles for today. Let me offer you some practical things that will help us as individuals and also is going to help us as a church um, posture ourselves so that we avoid the pain that comes to people who are prideful and try to do it their own and receive the grace that God wants to give us by being a humble people. So here's the first practical thing is to be people of prayer. And the scripture talks about prayer in church particularly first of all, like it's a first thing. And for us as a church, for us as individual people in our own lives, for families, that prayer will be foundational. If you think about it in terms of building a house or building, like the prayer is just Prayer is the foundation upon which we build things. It's not the last coat of paint uh, when everything else is done. And so we're going to be people of prayer. The second is to be people who serve. I just, it, 
I love that it, throughout this story, it's the servants who point people towards the grace that God wants to give to them. And to be people who serve, servants don't set agendas. Um, servants don't have requirements or demands for others to meet. What servants do is servants use who they are and what they have been given to meet the needs of the people who are around them, even to their own detriment. And when service is rendered in Jesus' name, it is not just those who are served, but it's also those who do the serving that receive grace that God wants to give. Third practical thing is to be people who forgive and who confess. I just, I'm struck by the little girl at the beginning of this story. Um, she, she was wronged in a, in a very big way. And what she forgave in order to seek the good of her master um, is, is exemplary, that she would, that she would turn loose of, of what he owed her for what had been done to her. Um, she was willing to forgive. And people who forgive are humble people. They, they're willing to let God take care of revenge and let God take care of their circumstances and they just turn loose of all that stuff. And not just to be people who forgive, we're going to be people who forgive, but we're also going to be people who confess. And saying I'm sorry. It takes a big person to forgive, and it probably, it's probably harder to say I'm sorry. A lot of us, I know for me, it's really hard to admit that I'm wrong. And it requires a tremendous amount of humility to say I'm sorry when you've been wrong. But God gives grace to people who, who forgive and who confess. And then this last action point is to be grateful, is to be willing to express your gratitude, to be expressive in your gratitude, to say thank you to the Lord, to the people who are around you. Um, people who refuse to say thank you, like maybe there's some entitlement there. Maybe they feel like they're owed what's being done for them, what's been given to them. And so people who, people who say thank you are just expressing gratitude, realizing that nobody owes them anything, but instead they've been given a gift. They've been given grace that God has favored them. And so we're going to be the kind of people who seek, who seek grace from the Lord by being humble. I'll say it again from the scriptures over and over again. God stands opposed to the proud. And people who start from that point of pride, who start from that point of self, who figure they've got it all together or they're owed something, those people are going to find God to be a brick wall for them. He stands in the way of people who are prideful, but he gives grace to those who are humble. And we want, to, we want to avoid the pain of God being opposed to us and we want to receive his favor and his blessing in our lives. So I'd like to pray for us. And then after I pray for us, let me give to you our questions for discussion and reflection today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God who is gracious. Thank you for your patience with us, your kindness to us. Thank you for constantly pointing the right way for us. We want to be humble people who receive your favor and who receive your blessing. I pray that you would point out those areas of our lives individually and our life together as a church where we might be leading from a pride from ourselves. We might be moving forward in, in our confidence in ourselves. And instead, I pray that you would help us be really good at casting ourselves on you and listening to you, being people who pray and people who learn from you and lean into what you have for us. Help us be really good at serving the people who are around us in Jesus' name. And so we pray these things for his honor and for his glory. Amen. All right, so let me real quickly give you these questions for reflection, for discussion. 
The first is if somebody told you, or if you were told to go dip in a body of water, to which body of water would you hope you were sent? You saw the picture of the Jordan River. It's probably not there. Um, have you seen, or how have you seen God's grace being given to humble people? It'd be interesting to see if you've experienced this or you've seen it. Um, are you good at listening to and taking the advice of others? Just a little check on how you're doing in this humility. Question number four, what do you think it looks like for prayer to be first of all in your own life? And what do you think that that would look like for it to be true of our church, that prayer would be a first thing, a foundational thing? And then the last question, what are you, some next steps for you in being a person who serves others? Maybe what would that look like for you and for the people that you're watching this with to, to be servants, and not just to each other, but people outside of your room this week. So I hope this is really helpful for you. God gives grace to humble people. It's been great to share one of my favorite stories with you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us online today. If you know of any needs in our church or in our community, please let us know because we want to help. You can do this by contacting the church office or by going to our service opportunity tool on our website. We'll work with you to figure out how CCC can help. Thank you for choosing Christ Community Online for your church experience today. Now, before you leave, we have one last thing for you. If you missed the town hall from this past week, we invite you to stick around for a few minutes and watch it with us right now. Check it out. Hi, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Adam. Uh, we're elders here, and uh, we want to welcome you to this town hall meeting uh, the elders are still around. We're still here. We're engaged in uh, just the prayer and the operations of the church, working with Daryl and the lead team. And we want to take this opportunity the next few minutes just to update you on some of the great things that are going on. And these town hall meeting formats, typically uh, they would be in person. There isn't a lot that's happening in person right now, um, but we do have church services. And we, so we wanted to bring you this message uh, just to give you some quick updates from the elders. So one of the things that we've been working a lot on lately has been our ministry outcomes. So one of the roles of the elder board is to really focus on the ends while the staff focuses on the means on how do we achieve those ends. And the ministry outcomes really starts to define those ends goals. So one of the things that we have uh, put as an end goal is really a focus on relationships. And that's figuring out how do we love each other uh, as the staff, how do we love each other as a CCC family, the congregation, the staff, and all that happens within the walls here at Christ Community Church. And then we're going well beyond that as well. What are our relationships supposed to look like with the other Rochester churches and all of the nonprofit organizations and figuring out how do we start to bond with them and develop deep, meaningful relationships outside the walls of Christ Community Church as well. And one of the things that we're also focused on is our denomination. We feel that there's a lot of value in working more closely with our denomination as we start to look at what that uh, entails. Um, that's part of our overall relationship strategy as well. One of the other uh, ministry outcomes that we have is around local missions, and you've heard us talk a lot about that. You've heard Daryl talk about it. You've seen engagement uh, with our church around local missions over these past several months, and we are really trying to lean into that, to build relationships uh, not only with our current local missions team members, 
uh, but also, you know, actively participating in the design of local missions as we really try to lean into the community. Uh, one of the things that the elders have focused on is articulating and casting a vision for local missions. And we've done that with a team of people from our congregation, really to transition from being a program-based culture of giving into really serving uh, in these groups that we're working with, uh, not only financially, but also through a deep and meaningful relationships. We want Christ Community Church to be a leading church that can be counted on by our community and by our nonprofit partners. And we are very excited about that. Some of the giving that, that you've provided over these last several weeks has gone directly into local missions and helping these community organizations. Another MO is adult discipleship. Really teaching our CCC family how to obey Jesus's commands. How do we provide encouragement? And how do we more importantly equip for our uh, current and new leaders, establishing a discipleship pathway or a process to begin messaging that into a whole fabric of Christ Community Church. And we also hope to be able to adopt this into our student and our kids' ministries as this starts to mature and take root. And then lastly, in this area, we've talked about it before, but we are still on a path where we want to be able to hire an adult ministry leader who's willing to engage in this process and can really help us move forward and really launch us into the future, both in-person and online discipleship. And all of this happens by developing a culture of prayer. Prayer is first of all, uh, that's 1 Timothy 2.1. And, and, and we know that prayer is just so critically important. We've seen that play out over these last several weeks. It's about a culture, not about programs. And we want to help uh, people start where they are and be able to take the next steps with prayer. That's one of the reasons why we sent out a message when there was all of the social unrest to kind of help come alongside you in your prayer. And we really want prayer to be a part of that discipleship work. So that's just some of the highlights of our overall ministry outcomes. We have a few others that we're working on as well, but we felt that these were the most important to share with you right away. The other thing we really want to say as a board and as church leadership is we are very, very thankful for all of you and for how faithful you have been in your giving and how faithful you have been in this whole time of transition. Amongst all the craziness, uh, the family of Christ Community Church has really stepped up their game and been here. And we could not be doing all the things that Adam talked about in the local ministry team and all of the staff that we've been able to keep employed through this time without your generous support. So it is not only enabling us to continue to move the ministry forward, it is actually allowing us to really take some giant leaps forward in some of the key areas uh, that we really feel God is calling us to. So thank you again so much from the bottom of our hearts as church leadership for all that you guys have done. And we also as a board just want to publicly thank our staff. Uh, they have gone above and beyond uh, to really pull off an online service in the matter of a week's time frame. Uh, Daryl getting acclimated uh, to Christ community and really leaning in uh, as, as things around him swirled. Uh, we are just so appreciative of our leadership team, of all of the staff of Christ community and and you should really be proud of the work that they've done and, and what they've done for the church over this time frame. So we don't want to miss that group uh, of, of unsung heroes in Absolutely. this. Um, Jeremy talked a little bit about you know how your giving has really influenced uh, our efforts to be involved in the community. Uh, and now as we begin to ramp back up and as we begin to expand, there is a need for volunteers. And uh, 
A lot of the messages over the last several weeks have been stay at home, stay at home, and that's what we've had to do, right? Yep. Uh, and we still want to do practice those uh, social distancing techniques, and we want to be safe. But there is a need for volunteers. There's a need for volunteers, not only for our online services, but also for our worship services now with Kid City opening up and also volunteering within the community as well. And we want to be a part of that. We want to be a church that's committed both financially and through our own personal efforts and engagement as well. So we look forward to hearing from you. If you're able to volunteer, we'll take anything that you can give uh, in big or small ways. Uh, there are needs that need to be met and we are just super excited. We think that you'll find energy from it. I know that the board, we have been energized. We've been meeting by Zoom uh, over these last uh, few months. There are pictures to document <laughs> it. Uh, uh, but we have been just so uh, delighted by what we've seen happen in the transition of our ministry uh, here during this time. Um, we really feel like something special and God's influence is, is at work uh, at Christ Community Church. So that wraps up our town hall meeting. Uh, again, thank you very much for being a part of this, for uh, downloading this and watching it and just trying to stay connected with all the things that Christ Community Church uh, has been doing and plans to do in the future. So again, thank you very much and we hope you have a blessed week. <music>